Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplot and Michael Sidri, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick's look ahead to Dynamite tonight. And it's a weird show, isn't it, tonight, Sidge, in terms of the fact you were just explained to me that the next one's going to be on a Saturday and then we're hopefully going to start returning to normality and Wednesday Dynamites and then being on the road and stuff. And yet, for a show that's taped and, you know, could rest on its laurels, some big things happening tonight. Indeed, yeah. I think there's a big attraction that they are trying to sell. And personally, I'm on the fence whether I'm buying into it, and we'll get into depth later. But I think the um, MMA cage rules fight is one last sort of, right, this is the sort of thing that we couldn't necessarily do in a full arena, but it's an attraction. Let's use our creativity to make this taped business a little bit less depressing. So there is an interest factor in that particular main event. Elsewhere on the card, there are some interesting things going on. Ultimately, I'm going to watch this with my fingers crossed, Hmm. variance and hesitation notwithstanding. This is potentially the last taped show in front of the Chris Jericho Judas Appreciation Society (laughs) paid extras that we are going to watch. So I'll be watching it as much for the knowledge that, oh, Christ, this is it, as much as, oh, I can't wait for this show. You know, there are some good things on it. But just to clarify the schedule very quickly, tonight, obviously Friday, another full week of waiting while the NBA does its thing until the live Saturday Jungle Boy versus Kenny Omega, which ticket projections are meant to be like a 1,000. So if they're all packed in, a la the first live Dynamite, that should be a raucous atmosphere for what should be a great match. Then on four days after on the Wednesday, it's another live Daily's Play show, the main event for which was will get announced tonight in a bid to hopefully drum up ticket sales because it's a big ask getting people to arrive at Daly's place and pay for a ticket just four days after the last one. But I think that's deciding to spin it as fan appreciation night mm-hmm. for $10. The idea being, right, it's the last chance 
the, this territory market, if you like, gets to come and watch the show. So we'll give you it for next and now. Please come. We want it to look good on telly. Um, so we should be getting a half-decent match announcement tonight. So that's one to look out for. And we're back on the road. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, like tonight, I think, feels different to the last two, maybe the last three Dynamites, actually. This sense that it was it was the go home to Dublin nothing was on a Friday as well, wasn't it? Yes. I'm not much remembering, yeah. Like so like the last three dynamites. Um it's been impossible to escape the spectre of um AEW kind of like pressing pause on its like creative because of it not being on Wednesday night, because of dynamite not being where it belongs. Um you don't want to think about like you don't mind with WWE, but you do when like a product is fairly well booked and you want to see things progress when a product effectively sort of goes on a bit of a creative hiatus because it knows that it's not getting all of its audience. It's, you know, like these numbers are not to be worried about like presently on Friday nights, but they, there's a core base of people to watch, but then where are the 200, 300,000 other people that would normally tune in on a Wednesday? So it sort of makes like common sense, but it has as a result, like hampered, I think the anticipation for the shows. Um, looking at this card, I think this this looks like a Wednesday Daily's Place show. I think in short order, we'll see when Dynamite is back on the road, what a Dynamite in front of a crowd looks like. I think they'll be tailored far more to a live audience than like, you know, Jericho's like sing-along strobes. But this looks like one of those. Like there's been loads of awesome Dynamites in Daily's Place with no audience. Tons of them. Like 2020's pretty great. Like if you, if you watch Dynamite week to week, there was more bad than good. This looks like one of those dynamite cards for me more than the last three. So if this is the last, as Cedric says, like we can all be optimistic and hope this is the last one. Just kind of feel like they're going out from this particular cycle with a bang. Mm. This feels like quite an, a good lead in to that big Saturday show next week. The first time that we can properly like grit our teeth with anticipation for something again. This is quite a nice way for all this to end, I think. Yeah, numerous things to look forward to. Uh, sadistically, Michael Cedric, I'm fascinated by the handicap match Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Sting has been told to stay home. Will he adhere to that? And uh, well, we saw Darby Allen bumping all over the place in that brief snippet of the uh, new AEW game that came out overnight. I sense he's going to be doing a lot of that tonight as well. Yes, absolutely. He worked a really good TV match and I qualify it as a TV match but a TV match in itself is a great genre against um, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho in that sort of in-between period of revolution and pandemic. Even if I hadn't seen that, my expectations would still be high for a match like this because there's absolutely no one better at playing the babyface in peril. And that's going to be even more pronounced when there's no one else he can tag to. Mm-hmm. I expect he probably... This is why AEW is so good and elegant. Even if Sting doesn't appear, or if he does appear... Maybe Darby Allen might involuntarily reach his hand out um, and then realise no one's there. That could be interpreted as like a bat signal almost. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I don't know where the storyline's going. Um, if it does end up in a split, I hope it will be amicable. But in terms of match quality, like this should be an excellent performance from Darby Allen because this is, this, is how, this is a measure of how great he is as a performer. A match that is almost ridiculous for any booker to put on when you think about it logically away from our accepted conditioned wrestling brains. Because what you're doing here is you're putting one of your star acts in a position of incredible danger. He's getting beat up by two grown men. Mm. It's not particularly fair. 
it's not particularly dramatically effective because the the storytelling is quite one dimensional in a match like this. Um, so it's a bit silly and it's a bit one note. But Darbyon's so great at fighting from underneath and just exploding into comebacks that I think this should be great, like a great, great match. Yeah, I, I'm quite looking forward to this. I hope they commit to Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page as the winners as well. I've had no problem with them being positioned almost as like goons at various points when it was with Darby Allen and Sting in particular. I thought they fit that profile quite well, to be honest. I, 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 nothing about Ethan Page's debut or particularly Scorpio Sky's heel turn as of yet made me feel like I should care any more than I do about them being like warm bodies for Sting and Darby Allen to batter. But what we have is a bit of history where the last time Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page had a 2 one advantage over Darby Allen, they nearly tipped him off the upper deck of a football stadium and then threw him down some stairs. So there is a history of violence between like these as a three that I would like to see replicated in a ring. Um, we got a, a, like a, a tease of that at Double or Nothing when Darby Allen was thrown into the crowd by Ethan Page. There are the you know the history that we've talked about, I guess, on this podcast that AW have teased like without overtly saying like I beat you up and evolve, but we've got all this sort of like suggestion that Ethan Page just relishes the opportunity to be particularly violent towards Darby Allen. Um, and Darby Allen will let it happen for the good of a, of a cause. And I think the cause here is to get over at least one of the two heels. My sense is that it's going to be Ethan Page that comes out with more shine because mm-hmm. they'll probably lead to that big singles match. This will probably be the run to that big singles match. Nice nods about Sting, like we talked a bit about before, maybe Sting getting involved when Darby Allen doesn't want him to. Like... I don't really want the waters to get muddy between those two. I would genuinely love it if Sting respects Darby Allen's request for space and request to do it on his own. Um, because I think, again, I just think it adds more weight to a Darby Allen-Ethan Page singles run. And that's that seems like the logical direction to go after something like this. Mm. Big night for Andrade El Idolo tonight as well. Uh, we were fairly critical of the surreal way he sort of debuted into, into in, well, he didn't interrupt Mark Henry, but we had Vicky Guerrero, of course, doing that. And then he came out. And then last week we had a vignette of him modeling a suit or something. Regardless, uh, tonight he sits down with Jim Ross. Very worried that Jim's going to introduce him as like Andy Andrade or something. I don't know. But regardless, uh, what does the future hold for Andrade in AEW for you, Hamflet? And, and how do you see this going tonight? I think this will go well. Um, it was short but sweet last week. I thought they nailed it. Um, I'm not just saying that because we partially called it because I'm pretty sure we called something like this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like a, a strong rebound for me two weeks on. Assuming this goes well, and I think it will, the sit-downs with Jim Ross always, always do. He, um, you know we can question what value he brings to the commentary sometimes, but I think he brings exceptional value to these sit down interviews. He feels like the kind of like, he's a godfather of wrestling journalism, as well as being the voice of pro wrestling to a generation. report represent. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I mean, we're speaking about Mark Henry. I heard that guy. <laughs> get on the gym once in a while. Um, but I like Jim Ross has such authority in that chair opposite anybody. Um, almost to the point, and I, and I love this, like this is a compliment, but you sit a Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega in a chair opposite Jim Ross, and Jim Ross almost still feels like a bigger presence because we just know him in this role. And I just think that like, he'll, like for Andrade tonight, he's going to feel next level because Jim Ross is taking the time to speak to him. Um, this interview will flesh out all that. I'm hoping like if Vicky Guerrero is sat with him, she's not going to like, it's not going to be some daft, corny, cheap heat stuff. I'd like to think it'll be Andrade getting the most of the time to speak. Um, he'll probably talk about what he wants to achieve that he wasn't able to. 
in his last place of work. Like there will be a little bit of that, but I think you can do a bit as long as it's not too heavy handed. And every time you see Andrade, if you watch that debut on silent and you assume he's getting a big pop and you assume that Vicky Guerrero doesn't feel a bit pointless, you look at him and you think, wow, that guy's like this like million dollar talent. And then the same last week. And I just think the same this week as well. He does so much just by like standing still and existing that I think this will only help him. And the prospect of his first match being on one of the one of these upcoming dynamites where we've got a crowd is, is the perfect way. If anything, that debut of him in his gear will feel like his debut proper. And that dynamite thing from a couple of weeks ago looked more like a soft launch. I don't know what to expect from this. Um, I have reservations about Vicky Carrero, whose act is in desperate need at this point of an extra dimension. The excuse me stuff, like Jesus Christ, like AEW's whole thing is, we, unlike WWE, are going to embrace the fringe and the past and the legacy of professional wrestling. So I guess someone there really likes 2008 SmackDown. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. Um, Turns out Benroy Turner is the new AEW guy. <laughs> he's the new shill. Um, <laughs> it just feels so terribly like leisure center indie shindy stuff. Well, I used to say this, didn't I? I'll say it again and you'll all laugh off, man. So I don't want her to, she's going to play a role in the sit down interview and I suspect she will, but I don't know why she should because this is is pre-taped. It will allow Andrade, who by all reports is really trying to work hard on his English, like dating back to even when he wasn't getting pushed in WWE before he just seemed to give up entirely. So I'd like to see him talk in his own voice. And the thing about Andrade is that he looks like a star whether he's got clothes on or not. So I can't decide whether I want to see him pop that shirt off or just like <laughs> wear the most fabulous suit possible. Keep this simple for me. I don't need to see um, any kind of overthought, convoluted like structure to whatever this is going to be. I want him to talk about how awesome he is. I want him to remind me how awesome he is. Because as I said a couple of weeks ago, because the debut was so whiffed, I watched the Johnny Gargano match. Because I was like, oh, I would like to get excited about this. AEW didn't do that for me. I want him to make me think that he's going to do so- something awesome. Mm. And in terms of his future, I get giddy with excitement. I know I realise All Out is like two and a half months away, September 5th, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously, we've got the Jungle Woman match for Kenny Omega next week. But Andrade is a natural world title challenger. You've got Christian Cage as well in and around all that. It is really exciting that you can line up all these matches and it not feel convoluted, Sige. Yeah, here's the thing. I don't want to do the thing that some people are doing. Where it's, oh, I should fight um, Phoenix. Oh, I should fight him. Um, and then maybe you should find Pentarol Zero next. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? And yeah, the thing is, those matches would be awesome. And the man has arrived as the face of Latinos. That's his catchphrase. That's his new marketing shtick. So that might draw the ire of Phoenix, Penta, and imagine Andrade versus Pac. Oh. Like, what an absolute banger that would be. So yeah, I, I would like to see it despite myself, but I would also like the contrast. Basically, you could just set up any old match. And I think Dante Martin, I think, would be a good opponent for like a four-minute, his head would look like it came off with that spinning back elbow. And I know the Dark Order are preoccupied with other business, but I just like the idea of using the cheesy, corny, 
like intentionally dorky aspects of the Dark Order as a contrast to just how cool Andrade looks. And I could have the match with John Silver or Stu Grayson all day long. Basically, want to see something explode across the ring. Exactly. And I love Dante Martin. I'm worried that I'm going to keep saying, oh, it's great to get his head kicked in, but he's so, so talented. And uh, we've seen with his performances, not just on Dynamite, but on Dark as well. I saw uh, Andy showing me some footage a while back of him just, oh, ragdolling all over the place. Uh, another quite good match to look forward to tonight, Sidge. Matt Jackson and the Good Brothers versus Penta, Eddie Kingston and Frankie Kazarian. Frankie Kazarian on this sort of road to redemption, if you watch the road to, which you definitely should ahead of tonight's show. And uh, I love this elite hunter tag he's been given. And this is, well, another step on that road alongside Penta and Eddie Kingston, Sidge. I wish more of it, particularly the SCU tag team run. I know we got one match, but they were already number one contenders, so that was a bit weird. I so wish more of this had been built on dark, um, on dynamite as opposed yeah. to dark. I suspect that won't matter in the coming weeks because if you, th- the best thing in pro wrestling in terms of narrative scope and how well they've sort of arranged everything about it. The best storyline in pro wrestling is playing out on a Friday night. It just happens to be Elite Hunter, Frankie Kazarian. <laughs> it's awesome. And they are, from all the little tacit hints I've been seeing on social media, like they're going to go all in on this, is getting um, a name artist to do his um, theme tune. Um, Joey or Jamie Jaster from Hatebreed. I'm not that into hardcore, but I know the guy's surname. He's going to be collaborating with uh, Mikey Ruckus to do it. That is the big tell of this guy's getting pushed. And for that reason, I think Frankie Kazarian beats, um, he pins Carl Anderson. And I'd like to see Kazarian versus Carl Anderson in the singles in one of the um, live shows to develop this further. But it's just so immaculate. Like I want this match to be built around Elite Hunter Frankie Kazarian for him to shine in this match more than anybody else in it. Um, obviously, you can tell other stories like the, the coming together of Eddie Kingston and Pac, which is really good um, because it's fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. Frankie Kazarian, when he first laid down the challenge to himself that, right, okay, if SCU don't win the titles, then we'll have to break up this team because it's going nowhere and I want to be a winner. The Young Bucks were baby faces when he did this. So how it's all come together, it's just been so fabulous. How many matches he can do to get to Kenny Omega is fantastic. I love all of this. He's the perfect gruff personality to play this vengeful badass as well. The whole do you stuff, like he's so blunt, he's so deadpan, like he can really beat the piss out of people when he works as well. I'm into it. I want to be more into it because a lot of this is headcanon and a lot of this is in the, the theoretical love of it. I've loved every single one of his interferences. I want to see this be a big pronounced part of dynamite. I want to fall in love with it on the dynamite stage. I think it's like legitimately impressive that Frankie Kazarian, who is like to look at and to watch his prior career, like quite a, a glossy pro wrestler, like traditional with a contemporary style and a contemporary moveset. And yet in this current persona is the gruffest and grizzled and edgiest member of a team that also includes Eddie Kingston and Penta. That's quite remarkable that that's where this character is at currently. And yeah, like ordinarily you would look for Penta or Kingston to get the babyface hot tag where just the Good Brothers and Matt Jackson get dropped on the head, have violence done unto them for their prior crimes and instead it's going to fall to Frankie Kazarian instead. Like really, really impressive booking of this character so far that people do seem to be like really getting behind. I'd like to see, as Cedric says, like I, I don't want this to just remain headcanon. I want to see all of this focused upon because I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing and I just like to 
get more of it. Um, and like because it's Matt Jackson and the Good Brothers, it's fairly non-committal. It's quite it's quite a smart book in this because like yeah, like Kazarian pins Carl Anderson, that's a big deal. Kazarian Carl Anderson singles match is interesting, but it doesn't like he's not really landing a blow on the people he wants to get to. They're not yet approaching even of this story. Like really, where this has to end is Kazarian versus Kenny for the title mm-hmm. at some point, and like they'll earn that TV rating. That it's not going to be at a pay per view, but they'll earn that TV rating that they'll get with that because Kazarian will have just battered and blooded every single one of his mates en route to it. So I like that. Like it, just because it's a delaying tactic or a, a stall in the obvious, when it's presented as well as this, like you, you really can't fault it. It's just, it's impressive. I think this booking. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash whatculture. We've got a debut to look forward to on tonight's show as well. Brock Anderson on Anderson's son uh, will be tagging with Cody Rhodes against QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. And I was getting so excited and thinking, oh, it's going to be such a wonderful dynamic. And then Sidgwick on that road too, they had to just, just drop that little, just inception me of just, can a Rhodes ever really trust an Anderson? And oh, I'm scared now. I mean, it'd be an interesting dynamic, but some of this stuff has been getting... It's weird with Dynamite. A lot of the Inner Circle Pinnacle stuff feels incredibly rushed. Elsewhere on the show, stuff feels like it's just chugging along or repeating itself with the idea of there's going to be not a soft relaunch or an outright reset button when they go back on the road, but you really feel like they are withholding. So I can't really get a measure of where this is going as a result. A lot of Dynamite feels out of whack, out of sync at the minute. If they are going to do some kind of turn in which Brock Anderson joins the factory, would it not be more powerful if 
they build up some kind of friendship or build up some kind of conflict where Cody is maybe a little bit pissed off on the apron if Brock Anderson gets a little bit over-enthusiastic in the ring. It's his big night and he gets beat or he just takes too much of a beating and Cody's kind of like, come on, you're kind of patronizing me here because I'm the one who can be tagged in and can make a difference. If they're going to do the turn, I'd rather not see it tonight. It'd have to be handled impeccably. Otherwise, it just feels like um, another fast forward. But it, the, the, it's all about, does he look like he deserves a spot on a show where there are loads of them and it's hard to justify getting one? His beatdown didn't look great. It was probably better that he did a physical angle before his first match with the red lights on him. He's probably going to do an absolutely inch-perfect spine buster that's going to pop oh. internet's tits off um, on Saturday morning. But... We've got no evidence, so I, a respectable performance, I hope, goes over really well because, by all accounts, like he's a very much capital D developmental prospect. Yeah, like it's really odd. This I think that there's a certain sense of apprehension about this match that there wasn't for Cody and Anthony Agogo, and I think that was ultimately because what had quietly happened. Like, not everybody can have perfect careers. And Cody's not had a particularly good 2021. And this is what happens when you get the very gradual erosion of trust. People have limitless trust for this process, as they should. AW have earned that. Cody once had trust for his process. And I think that's slightly diminished in 2021. Not all of it is hit. A lot of it is missed. Um, A lot of the stuff that looked great on paper just hasn't delivered in practice for a variety of different reasons. And I think sometimes... Cody's booking in particular feels a little bit unfocused. And I wonder if that's a measure of the man being a little bit unfocused and wanting to do 10 different things at once. Some of that is admirable. Some of that is perhaps vain. It's it's all of it. It's all of it with Cody. Um, and I think that's why there's apprehension. I think this happens a year ago and people are really hyped for a match that is just definitely going to deliver, that Cody's going to be the general of, that QT is going to hold his end together. Oh, Aaron Solo's unproven, but that's a good thing because we're going to see something awesome from him as well. I just sense to be a lot more optimism around it if there hadn't been as many like fumbled passes this year with the stuff that Cody's been involved with. This feud included, ultimately this factory thing included, it does feel like it's fizzling compared to that pretty amazing turn. Like the, the first week of the story that nobody saw coming. Like this has fizzled. The Anthony Agogo stuff fizzled ultimately. Um, I don't know, like Keaty Marshall's awesome promo that first week where he hoid the paint on the wall. Like none of it feels as hot as that was. Shaq, I would say, is the only case where it kind of happened in reverse. The story didn't seem to stack up and then the match was absolutely awesome. I think that's been the, the kind of rule-proven exception for, for Cody's big ideas that haven't necessarily played out. So the jury's out on this one too. Brock Anderson wearing his dad's clothes last week was an inspired touch because they want people to they want people to obviously draw the comparison between the old Arn Anderson and think about the possibility of a turn and not look at Arn Anderson as he is today. Cody's beloved coach, but as the guy that he used to be, somebody that doesn't trust a Rhodes. They, like, and then they put that into the road too as well. That's all there. That's quite nice. Um, Solo was like an irritant on last week's show because he was representative of the, the running issue and the, the cheap finish issue, probably more than anybody because he did it twice. So yeah, um, I think it's okay to hope for the best rather than necessarily expect it with this. Um, maybe time for Cody to earn a bit of that trust back and this be like a surprise success story of the show. 
so I'm just working this out in my head, I'm so all over the place with this because I, I think, you know, elements of what you said there was right, Hample, in terms of this fizzling. And yet I'm all in on this because there's so many different directions they could take. We talk about, you know, I was, yeah, like you say, uh, Sige, you know, this could be the catalyst. This is where you plant the seed eventually. You know, I'm not saying Brock turns on him tonight. Obviously, that's far too soon. And like you say, you want that crowd reaction anyway. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe they lose and that's the thing. Then you think, actually, no, but you don't really want to do that. And you've got Aaron Solo there, and I love him, but Aaron Solo can eat another loss here. And then I'm there doing the maths and going, right, okay, so you've got Brock and Cody in the ring. Obviously, you've got QT Marshall and Aaron Solo there, which means you're going to have Arn ringside, right? And you think, oh, God, he's going to get attacked. And you think, well, hang on, Nick Comorato can be taken out. Well, not taken out, but that you can have his thing with, with Dustin Rhodes continue. Which leaves Anthony a go-go killing on Anderson potentially here. And then I'm sat there in my head going, hang on, how many weeks and months and uh, days is it till till Brandy Rhodes gives birth? You've got to try and maybe work that in. Maybe that's going to write Cody off through some angle. And then I remembered, oh yeah, bloody yeah, we've got a bloody strap match in July. I think 7th of July, Road Rager, if I'm not mistaken. So having put all that into a big old bowl, stirred it all up, I think that there's going to be seeds of... of disharmony let's say between Cody very subtle ones between Cody and Brock absolutely get your side-by-side comparisons of the spine busters ready for Twitter on Saturday morning and I think they win maybe Brock takes a bit of a beating or uh maybe they win in the midst of all this Anthony Gogo sorry hurts on Anderson Brock goes out to check him in post-match Aaron Solo just rolls the outside because he's been hit with a crossroads QT Marshall again takes his belt off or gets a belt from someone and twats Cody with it and is effectively like yeah that's what's going to happen in a few weeks time what do you reckon sorry was there a tacit tease last week that Agoga might be like might eventually turn on QT he Marshall. negged him a bit didn't he yeah, yeah. Like, QT Marshall like, yeah, QT Marshall was very much annoyed by the idea that he needed a Google's help. Yeah. Which you might expect. So it's a bit of a labyrinth, this storyline, um, which is possibly a euphemistic way of saying there's life in it yet. Hmm. Exactly. Uh, in terms of matches as well advertised for tonight, uh, they've taken a group of people who are very much like, eh, to do with on AW and giving them the best name for a stable, the Wingmen. Cesar Benoni is a part of them, and uh, I really quite liked the uh, the promo they cut regarding Orange Cassidy last week. Uh, it is going to be Cesar Benoni. Uh, they're either going to rearrange his wardrobe or rearrange his face allegedly against Orange Cassidy. How's it playing out, Hamlet? In a really straightforward win for Orange Cassidy. I'm, I'm <laughs> just not enthusiastic. I like, I, I, it, like it's nice. It's, it's nice this. Um, Guys have done an okay job of getting over. They've not blown anything significantly that I can remember in the few dynamite shots they've had. But it's a straightforward run-of-the-mill win for Orange Cassidy. Um, I, don't, I don't know what, what's next for Orange Cassidy, really. So I guess this is better than nothing while you wait for crowds. Because crowd, like because whatever you're doing with him, crowds are going to maximise that. Like, people of all the people, as, like, as we saw at Double or Nothing, um, he's just one of the company's biggest stars. He is. And the reason why you can have him say it's not over um, with Kenny Omega, even though he's lost this title match and in a tradition, it will be a long time before he's back there again, is because the fans will want him back there because there will be call for Orange Cassidy to be back at that level. So I don't think, I don't know, I, I, I'm struggling to see much interest in it other than like an extension of the best friends and the wingman stuff, which feels really like, feels more like dark fodder than dynamite. But 
it's a win for Cassidy, isn't it? It's something. A win for Cassidy that will possibly open up into a couple of tags or whatever. It's, it seems to have arrived out of nowhere. It's filler stuff that might reveal itself to be pretty entertaining because of the wild and wacky cast of characters involved. Mm. Bit of mid-card fluff. And I, I, I've got literally no else to say about it. <laughs> That's absolutely fair enough. Uh, Julia Hart versus Penelope Ford, the return of Penelope Ford, who we've talked about on numerous occasions, is very much underrated and, and has shown real flashes on AEW Dynamite. More of that tonight, Sige? I really hope so, because um, it's funny that this match got announced because, um, well, let's just say I'm working on something. And as a, uh, and for that, I rewatched All In very recently. And Penelope Ford's sequence, remember that? Oh, yeah. It was in unbelievable, the- man. Like, she did the Matrix stuff, she backflipped away. Like, her timing was incredible. Just class, absolutely class, out of nowhere stuff. We've seen glimpses of that on Dynamite. The Sheeta match was great. And as I've said before, the failure to follow up on that represents possibly a misogynistic slant to this meritocracy. Because if a bloke put on a performance like that, he probably would have got a storyline. She didn't. This hopefully is a um, win for Penelope Ford. And then she can go on to do something with a Ty Conti or a Red Velvet or someone who's probably going to lose to Britt Baker. I don't know what it is. I just want to see her in the mix. The worst thing that can happen here is that the match is not going to be great. With it being taped, that is mitigated. And there's a significant like lack of pressure compared to the TV shows. But everything I've seen of Julia Hart, uh, very green. Mm. And as, as much as Penelope Ford is such a raw talent very creative very athletic she's nowhere near like a, an elder statesman who can carry somebody so i have concerns about this match in terms of the quality i have concerns that if it's not very good it'll be another really unfair indictment of penelope ford when realistically the booking the matchmaking the lack of focus really is the problem and not her development in my opinion she hasn't wrestled anywhere near enough for how potentially really good she could be. It's quite an interesting time for her to have a singles match as well, isn't it? Because she was like the forgotten component, really, of the um, Miro and Kip Sabian split. Um, you know, you had the massive beatdown of Kip Sabian, that kind of like very cathartic cutting of the cord and finally setting Miro off on his way. Um, and Penelope Ford was just there to be a passenger for all of that. You know, there was no, we didn't then get a follow up with Kip Sabian where like he was on some sort of road to recovery and Penelope Ford was by his side. And I think it's quite interesting now that she's getting the singles match because it's probably wise to flip that dynamic, isn't it? And get back to making Kip Sabian her manager than the other way around. Um, you know, we're, we're long past the point where that's even deemed a progressive thought process now. But I would say Ford is far more the captivating of the two. Mm-hmm. And not to be awful to Kip Sabian or anything, but if, if one of those two was going to get a push, I'd rather it be Penelope Ford. So I think if you're going to bounce back from that, like Miro just basically battering Sabian, reduce him to being the guy that stands ringside for the more talented of the pair. And maybe this is, maybe this is like, it's not a fresh start for Kip Sabian's character. It's just a fresh start for this act in general, that he gets stand ringside while Penelope Ford starts racking up the wins. Cause same as Cedric said, like it's like one win isn't enough. Like Penelope Ford should win this match against relatively green Julia Hart. There's a spin off of Sabian versus one of the blondes, something like that, whatever. 
But one win for four here isn't enough, just like it never is when you have a win for another wrestler one week and then they disappear for three. So I hope this is the start of something. Like it's it's odd to me that they're using her specifically. I hope it's the start of something more long term for her. Right, let's get around to this MMA cage rules fight between Jake Hager and Wardlow. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, three rounds, five five minutes each, and a forty second break in between each round. Very sort of MMA UFC uh, adjacent, basically. There's a history there. If you watch the road two, they talk all about it. The fact that Wardlow's got a victory uh, over Jake Hager in a wrestling match, of course, and what's been going on with the inner circle and the pinnacle. Uh, Hamlet, I have transferred my entire life savings into MJF coin. So I've nailed my colours to the mass with all this. Uh, what on earth should we expect? Blood. Jake Hager's blood. I hate this storyline and I love this match. Like I completely forgot until we did a bit of a chat in the preview that this was happening tonight because in my head it was big enough to save for like live Saturday Night Dynamite or well they're going to save that for the crowds coming back can't they? Like it was this, it was one of the best possible things that this angle could have spewed out was this ridiculous presentation. Um, I want to see, I can't decide if it's a heel face, a heel trait, a baby face trait, or a Chris Jericho ego trait for at least one of the fighters to come out with all of the others on a train behind the back hood wearing matching track suits, that MMA entrance, like the old sort of team. Gracie. Yeah. yeah the, the Gracie jiu-jitsu thing. Like I want yeah, to think they've already done it so they could do it again. Yeah. yeah we'll have that again. Um, like probably, probably better for Hager um, and Hager to get decimated. I, I even like the idea. You said it was three rounds, five minutes? Yes, three five-minute um, rounds with a 40-second break in between each. I love them talking about that as what I hope is a red herring, a bit like when they announced the judges for the Cody and Jericho match. Um, it's not about it going three rounds and it goes to points or that like how much one of the fighters needs that last 40-second break. It's about it not making out with the first because like Hager's underestimated Wardlow's like freakish strength or some, you know, something along those lines. Um, the structure interests me. This is one of the rare cases where all these like, like kind of queasy nods to the attitude era could benefit because the lions then was a pretty cool, weird thing that they take on the octagon. I dare say AW's attempt at that will be interesting visually as well, but I would really, really like Wardlow to dominate. I don't mind if they cheat. I don't mind if it's a pool ball and a sock rather than a punch to the face that, like, first floors Jake Hager. Um, you know, they obscure a weapon in the towel after the first 40-second break, and then Wardlow comes out in the second round and just cheats horribly, and they get away with it. Um, but I would like to see Hager, and maybe others blooded in this MMA um, cage, whatever structure it is. I've, I've got high hopes for this. I think this is going to I think this is gonna represent, a bit, for me personally, a bit of a turnaround for this story. I'd be surprised if Wardlow wins it. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> I think that at the very least, MGS probably going to go over Sammy because the idea is he's going to do Jericho as well. So makes no sense him losing to Sammy Guevara because why would there be no juice in the match between MGF and Jericho? So that's the way I see one of those sub matches going. Um, FTR in Santana and Ortiz is kind of a pick them at this point. So I think the inner circle are going to get first blood in a rivalry. And that's, fingers crossed at least, it's going to culminate in Chris Jericho taking a bit of an absence from AEW TV. So the way you do that is to inspire Cruel Hope and have the heels win in the end. And that Cruel Hope will manifest as a Jake Hager victory against Wardlow. Um, Wardlow's already won nil against him, um, lest we forget. And I think this particular stipulation 
that's been put in place. One, because it's something a bit pandemic-y that can do that probably wouldn't fly in a full arena. And I know it's ridiculous because UFC crowds are louder than wrestling crowds, but you know what I mean. I just think it's more of a, like this could be, you might see some kind of octagon or a cage erected in the parking lot, for example, um, or some kind of backstage area. Um, and I think it's, they've not shied away from Hager's Bellator stuff. They, they very much promoted that as part of his act. So I think he wins what will be built as his speciality match. And it's of no major disgrace if Wardlow loses, and especially if he puts up a fight. I'm very interested. So I think Hager's winning. I'm very, very interested in the approach they take to this, right? You're not going to... You don't have a hope in hell's chance of, in terms of a work-shoot-style UWFI pro wrestling match. You're not going to do anything as good as Shuri versus Atami at stardom last week. You're not going to do like Nakamura versus Sakuraba. Like you're not going to get these incredibly quick, nimble, hard strikers like smashing each other. But like the other one, the opponent is so fast that they can duck it where like your heart stops. You're not going to get that out of these two. I think the less this is a strict emulation of a worked shoot match, the better. I hope they'll go full theater, full exaggerated, like smashing people into the cage wall stuff. Because as much as all of this is brilliant, badass cartoon violence on, on paper, my worry is that these two guys probably can't technically emulate a properly good work shoot match. And I kind of got a bit of evidence from that blood and guts. For me, like, I love Wardlow. I think Jake Hager is vastly underrated in the particularly limited role he plays. But their stuff, I thought, was born in blood and guts. Like, can you remember that? Just if, which made me a little bit incredulous, almost, that they booked this match. It's taped. They've clearly got a great idea for it. I'm as worried as I am excited, if I'm being absolutely brutally honest. I'm just kind of hugging each other's legs a bit. It just didn't do anything for us. Yeah, I've, I've got to lean towards Sidgwick with this because I, I sense that Bellator would not be happy having their golden, well, not golden boy, but the guy. That, huh? I haven't really thought about that. Like, it's because it's because it's a work, obviously. But yeah, like, I guess that's a thing that they might. If Bellator's, Bellator straddles the line a bit more than USC, doesn't it, in terms of how they like to present certain fighters. So I guess they'd maybe want that preserved, which, oh, Christ. J.K. could be a Wardlow. Like, frig off. Look at Wardlow, man. Well, he's an MMA guy. Yeah, but he rides around on helicopters, man, on buildings. Nah, 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 nah. But you get the best excuse to job him out, which will manifest, hopefully, in something really creative and quite cool. Yeah. I hope his hair doesn't fall out with a bun then, because I don't want to see long-haired Wardlow getting murked by million-year-old idiot J.K. I want to play Wardlow, but, you know, it, it all makes kind of sense for him to lose this one. Yeah, there's a way to protect Wardlow and or make him look amazing. And as I say this, I realise it's not going to make great TV. But if Hager has him in a submission for like in the I don't know second round, you want to do the big. You don't want to go obviously go to a decision. I did like the fact that Excalibur was like there's only way the only way this match ends is by uh, knockout TKO or submission. And I was like, oh, technically could go to a decision if it goes all three rounds, but okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, this you know maybe he puts a submission on him and bends his arm in a way you know not humanly possible but Wardlow's such a hard bastard he's never going to tap to that sort of thing but yeah I think Hager has to win because yeah Bellator will not want to be like well he's undefeated inside the cage well our cage not someone else's cage but it just muddies the waters too much for me 
And, uh, and yeah, the way Sid just sort of laid that out of like, well, you can balance that out with wins here. And maybe, you know, I don't really want to do you know, constant attacks after matches, but maybe just because Hager gets his hand raised doesn't mean he stands tall at the end of the night, that sort of thing. But regardless, it is fascinating to look forward to, as is the rest of the show. Let us know your thoughts ahead of Dynamite tonight at what Culture WWE on Twitter. Watch that. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Our SmackDown preview is available right now. I've got Wrestle Culture coming later on and a major Hell in a Cell extended preview coming tomorrow, despite the fact it's kind of buggered with them announcing that Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> SmackDown tonight. Uh, in terms of a review for this show, apologies in advance. It will probably be Tuesday. Uh, what with Hell in a Cell, but we will get around to it. Maybe I'll leave it as a little bit of a treat for Sid. Of like, if you do your homework, if you do Monday Night Raw review, then we'll do the Dynamite review after that. But we will get around to it, especially with this bonkers handicap match and MMA cage match thing too. But anyway, this has been the AEW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us and we will see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.